This is a bonus episode of Decoding Fox News, and I'm your host, Juliet Jeske. Each week, I watch and analyze a whole heck of a lot of Fox News and then break it down. Uh, I watch all the Fox News you'd never want to. Now, what would this bonus episode be about? (laughs) I don't know. What happened this week? Oh, (laughs) we had the first Republican primary for the presidential election a caucus, as it were. I hate caucuses. I think it's a terrible, terrible idea. But anyway, we've been doing them for years. And here's the headline. Fox News, the Iowa caucus. Time to double down on Trump. (sighs) For months, Fox News has promoted and hyped up the 2024 presidential primary race as if it was competitive, while also slavishly focusing on Trump to feed his cultish base. The network has been trapped in a dysfunctional relationship with the former president, one it just can't seem to quit. On one hand, it appeared that some folks on the network really wanted to move past him. Steve Ducey had several moments of pushback on Fox & Friends, where he openly criticized the erratic wannabe despot or pointed out the seriousness of his many legal problems. The network also seemed to get excited about other candidates. Early on in the race, Brian Kilmeade threw an actual softball to Governor Ron DeSantis during a praise-filled interview. Surprisingly, political novice Vivek Ramaswamy had the most guest appearances of any of the presidential hopefuls in the shows I covered last year. Chris Christie was also a frequent guest on the network, even though he trashed Trump at length every time a lavalier microphone was clipped to his lapel. At the same time, Fox News would forego commercial breaks for Trump's many drama-filled incidents from the FBI search of Mar-a-Lago to his four criminal indictment. Fox kept backing Trump, even though the lies he promoted about the last presidential election ultimately cost the network $787.5 million, that's three quarters of a billion, in a defamation lawsuit with Dominion Voting Systems. Fox News would spend hours featuring footage of Trump's plane leaving Florida, then follow his motorcade as it would snake through the streets of Georgia or Manhattan for any number of court appearances. The former president's every movement was documented, even though none of it was newsworthy or relevant. What exactly did Fox viewers learn from watching a plane sit on a runway. I always wondered. On the night of the first primary contest, it was obvious that Trump had crushed his rivals an hour and a half before the network expected the results to come in. This game of going back and forth with a man at least half the country hated was over. Fox was in it to win it now. Since Fox didn't have nail-biting numbers to obsess over, it switched to polling that showed immigration topping the list of concerns for Iowa Republicans. Fox News will likely feature a new miles-long migrant caravan snaking through Mexico at least once a week now. Although the next primary contest is in New Hampshire next week, I expect a strong pivot in the network to put everything it has behind the narcissistic, erratic, serial liar who echoes Adolf Hitler at his rallies and praises dictators. This is just the beginning. And I say that because a lot of people do somehow think, because they don't actually watch Fox News, that Fox has been in it to win it with Trump the whole time. I would say no, they haven't. 
They've gone back and forth. They've wavered because Trump has wavered on them. And the Dominion lawsuit was kind of a fiasco for the network. Uh, they have never really trashed him, like openly said, oh, he's horrible, da, 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 But there's been moments. And this whole like praise of DeSantis and praise of Nikki Haley, praise of anyone, really. They were desperate. The fact that they had Chris Christie on all the time says enough. The funniest things about the Chris Christie appearances is they would have him come on and they'd sort of give him like, oh, oh yeah, you're running for president, right? And he'd be like, yeah, I am. By the way, Trump is a monster. And he would just like go off for, you know, sometimes seven minutes. They'd have him on for like a seven minute segment and it would just be him ripping on Trump. And it was sort of like, I get what you're doing here. I get what you're doing here, Fox. But then the next day they'd be like, oh no, something happened to Trump. Let's dedicate, you know, every single show to the story, not c cut to commercial, keep the camera on him. So it's just this completely frenetic. They couldn't figure it out. They kept going back and forth. It was very odd. So the Fox News coverage was planned to start at 10 p.m. Because traditionally... Um, that's when they would find out the information. That's when they'd start to figure out who was winning. But this year, it was so lopsided that they AP called it at 8.30. So it was, watching this was like watching them try to build tension that was just not going to happen. So the moderators were Martha McCallum and Brett Baer. They're both sort of legit, I put legit in quotes, uh, journalists on Fox News. The duration, it was an hour and 40 minutes when I took out the commercials. Uh, the correspondents were Rich Edson. He was uh, in Des Moines at some polling place. And then we had Aisha Hasney. She was at Nikki Haley headquarters. Bill Hemmer, he was in the set, the stage. They had rented out like a wedding venue and they made it look all patriotic and fox. All this wood everywhere. Look at us, look at us with these huge desks. Sandra Smith uh, was... She did this voter analysis survey, which they tried to put all of their energy into that because they had nothing else. Because, of course, normally when you watch these things, there's a little bit of tension of, like, who's going to win? When are the numbers coming in? And it had already been decided. Like, it was just a bunch of boring. So they were like, we've got this giant screen. It's colorful. We've got voter data analysis on it. This is our thing. Let's do this, Sandra Smith. So they were just cutting to her a lot, and she was just like, let's look at the data. So the first panel was Dana Perino, Britt Hume, and Harold Ford Jr. They all work for Fox. Britt Hume said, uh, it sort of started off kind of normal, because Britt Hume basically said what you would say every single year, and what he says is exactly 100% true. Let's not forget that second place uh, has led to a lot of people winning the nomination in Iowa. After, after Iowa, you second, finish second in Iowa, it's worth something. Uh, there are a lot of places where it wouldn't be, and in the coming races, uh, in the future, it won't be as much. But out here, you, you win second, you survive, you go on, and who knows, you might win a nomination. A number of second-place finishers have. Now, of course, what he says is 100% true. That usually is the case, actually. But this is such a bizarro year because we've never had a president who was just president who then lost an election and then came back the very next election. This has never happened before, obviously. And we've never had a president with like what I would call a cultish base before, not in my lifetime. Uh, so it's a very, very strange year. So uh, next up, we have Dana Perino. And this made me chuckle a little bit because she's sort of undermining everything that uh, Fox News has pushed for months now. But she doesn't realize it. And she's done this before where I've seen her kind of mid-comment realize, wait a second, I probably shouldn't be saying this 
and then she tries to sort of pedal back. And you could see panic in her eyes. It's, it's kind of humorous. This is one of those moments. You do have to think about how Iowa as a state has been doing. They have a very popular governor. The economy is pretty good. The ag sector doing very well. Of course, that's super important here. Unemployment rate very low. Their concerns, if you look at that voter analysis, are on a national level, and their worry about the country as a whole. I almost wonder if there was a producer in her ear who was like, um, hey, Dana, stop. You're saying too many good things about the economy and the country. Pull it back. Because she did. She like at the very end, she's like, they're concerned about the country as, as a whole. So I guess if you're worried about the country, move to Iowa right now because everything is great. Everything is great. And what was funny, what she mentioned about the ag industry, the agriculture industry, um, there was earlier in, in, the, in the day, uh, other people on Fox were saying how the agriculture industry was being decimated by Biden. So one of the ways they tried to keep this thing moving and interesting is they kept shuffling out the Fox personalities and the pundits behind the desk. So they get rid of the first round and they bring on Kellyanne Conway, who's always entertaining, and Carl Rove. Now, Carl Rove is a Republican consultant. He was an advisor for President George W. Bush. And Kellyanne Conway uh, was a former senior counsel for Donald J. Trump. Uh, it's so funny because sometimes I flip her with the other blondes because there's so many of them. Just a side note, too. Sandra Smith and Martha McCallum, eerily similar. Eerily similar. And they're they're both Fox uh, pundits. And I, it's they, they do their makeup different. They have somewhat different uh, jaw lines and different hairstyles. But it's just... They are so similar. It freaks me out. When they when I first started doing this job, I, I would have to make sure 100%. I was, is that Martha McCallum? Is that Sandra Smith? I don't know. Kellyanne Conway and Kaylee McEnany, you talk about messing up your head. Now, there's an age difference, but their names start with K, and they're blonde, and they both say outrageous things. And I'm like, I, I don't know. Anyway, so moving on. So when Brett Baer asked Kellyanne Conway, what she thought about Nikki Haley's chances with moderates and independents, uh, Conway snapped back. Sure, and underperforming among Republicans and the so-called MAGA group, uh, non-college educated evangelicals. Look, this is no way to win a Republican nomination. So the sauciness begins and it only gets worse. Next up, we had Laura Ingram who got her own panel because why should she share it with anyone else? She's one of the primetime hosts. So she came out and um, the, the, all of these people are in Iowa, by the way. They all went, they're physically in Iowa, which was a lot of hype, considering I think we all knew what was going to happen here. But here's Laura Ingram, and uh, she had a very odd reaction to uh, Trump's win. And he is going to have the biggest spread for any Republican. I mean, this is unbelievable. Bob, Bob How many Dole. indictments? Right. I mean, this is like indictment after indictment after indictment, and the people are saying... We're not we're, we're not complying. Well, the overwhelming someone who had read the written version of this asked about what I meant when she was laughing during that. I'm like, well, I don't know how to describe it. She was laughing. <laughs> it was kind of her evil um, Disney villainous cackle there. That's how I think of her. The non glamorous Disney villain villainous who's like <laughs> indictment after indictment after indictment. Nobody cares. <laughs> so then the producers decided to cut to Trump's acceptance speech, and this was just about as painful as you can imagine. So they play, they cut early, so we can hear awkwardly the entire 
a God Bless the USA song, the entire song to kind of an empty stage. And then, you know, Trump kind of walks out there very slowly. He looks crazed. They put way too much makeup on him. It, his face looked like freakishly orange, more than no- normal, like very, very non-natural looking. And he's just like slumbering out. And then the crowd starts going, Trump, Trump, Trump. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be a long 11 months. And uh, the network included the entire 22-minute speech, the entire thing. And it was it was fun. Okay, then we go back to the, four, the first panel comes back. So we have Dana Perino, Britt Hume, and Harold Ford Jr. And um, then they also cut. As soon as they cut back, this is how weird this night was. They cut back to Ramaswamy announcing he was suspending his campaign. He's just a few minutes in and they just go, yeah, great. Okay, back to our panel. They just cut him off, kind of mid-sentence. And then Brett Baer asks Harold Ford Jr., who's supposed to be a moderate. He sits in the same chair that Jessica Tarleff does on the five. They're supposed to be in the same position. What he thought of Trump's performance and Ford, yeah, did not sound like a liberal. I, I, he drives me crazy that he's on that show. He seems like a nice man. Like, I think he'd be a nice person. But I'm like, what are you, what came out of your mouth? You're a Democrat? Really? Really? I'm a little concerned about that. I was shocked how measured he was and how conciliatory he was tonight. He talked about Vivek Ramaswamy like he knew what was going to happen. And the call DeSantis and Nikki Haley, all they called them by their first names, it's a great thing. And finally, he touched on the three issues that are, I think, most prominent on people's minds. The border, Ukraine, Israel, and how our standing is with China. And he talked about whether you agree with him or not, and I t- take some quarrel with some of the things he said, he sounded uh, measured and sounded presidential to So yes, Harold Ford Jr., who's supposed to be a liberal or at least a Democrat on the show, has also said that he really admired George W. Bush and he thinks that a border wall is necessary. I'm like, all right, why are you in that chair? I mean, they put Piers Morgan in that chair. They put Tulsi Gabbard in that chair. Uh, Sometimes they don't even bother and they'll just put like, you know, Charlie Hurt. I've seen that where they just, they don't even care. They're like, we don't have a liberal today. We're just going to put five conservatives on the five. Who cares? Nobody cares. Um, that's why the, the show's really only interesting when Jessica Tarloff is there because she actually pushes back in a very brilliant way. So just as we're getting off of Trump's 22-minute uh, speech, which was excessively long, they cut back to, well, Governor Ron DeSantis has a statement, and uh, he was the only other candidate besides Trump to get his whole statement out, but his statement was three and a half minutes long. Uh, That's why, otherwise they would have cut him. I know they would have cut him. So then they cut back to their Iowa stage, which again, this is this wedding venue that they've made look super patriotic. And uh, Britt Hume has a zinger about DeSantis. Uh, And his bounce out of here. Kind of high-flowing, highfalutin' with all the rhetoric about the Civil War and earlier presidents and the beaches of Normandy and all the rest of it for a guy who got 20% after betting the whole campaign on the Iowa caucuses. Brit Hume was not impressed, I think that's safe to say. Um, Here's another quick clip of Martha McCallum also praising Trump. Donald Trump, who just gave a very... um, very calm, sort of forceful, measured speech. Seeing, and, and I think this is the same Donald Trump that we saw a bit at the town hall. 
the other night, Britt. And it feels like he is changing his tone a little bit. Um, we never know how long that lasts. Exactly right. <laughs> but at least for the past few days, he thanked everyone. There were no, no nasty names, didn't call anybody nicknames. He thanked He wanted to bring the party together. Now, the media is going to fall for this nonsense. Of course, Fox is going to do this because Fox doesn't care. Fox just wants ratings. Fox just wants money. Fox just wants a Republican in the White House. They don't care. But the idea that he's like a changed man, this guy was like basically quoting Hitler with the they're poisoning our the immigrants are poisoning our country just a couple weeks ago. He's not changed. He's not changed. This is he's going to go right back to all of this crazy nonsense is the scarier things get for him, more and more vicious he's going to get. He knew he had this in the bag. He felt comfortable. He was just enjoying the day. So, no, he's not changed. Nothing has changed. It's going to go right back to the crazy, the nonstop chaos. So next up, the producers tr transitioned back to Bill Hemmer at the election map that uh, Brett Baer kept calling Bill's board for Bill Hemmer. Um, and it was just a map of Iowa that was all one color for the most part. And they were trying to, again, they were trying to make this exciting. They're like, let's look at the map. And they had all these colors for all the candidates. And, uh, you know, they're debating, like, this square could go for Haley, maybe. And then every other, you know, square was red for Trump. It was just like, whew. And there's a kind of a goofy screenshot I have of it in the newsletter. Uh, the newsletter has the hyperlinks to all of their speeches if you want to put yourself through that. Uh, then they cut to Nikki Haley's speech to her supporters, which they also... Um, abruptly cut her off before she was finished. Then we move on to the fifth panel. We're getting close to the end here with Katie Pavlich, Trey Gowdy. He's a former congressman. He also works for Fox now. Pavlich works for Fox. Jessica Tarloff, our hero, and Mark Thiessen. Mark Thiessen's of the Washington Post. He's a conservative and a former speechwriter for President George W. Bush. Thiessen gave me one of my favorite moments uh, from the midterm elections where he like basically melted down and said, they hate us. They hate us. We should have won. I'm, maybe he didn't actually cry, but in my mind he did. In my mind he did. So uh, Katie Pavlish is always kind of saucy and kind of uh, smug, and she didn't let down uh, on Monday. If you add tonight DeSantis and Haley together, they're still under Trump by 10 points. And then if you add Vivek Ramaswamy to Trump, it's uh, enhanced. Well, and the question is, two. just one more point, is that, you know, they spent $100 million here in, New in Iowa, Republicans. Joe Biden raked in $100 million in the last quarter, and he's not campaigning. So then Mark Thiessen had some insight that sort of was like, uh, we need to calm down a little bit, even though he did point out that there was just an astronomical amount of money spent on this caucus. It's a country of 332 million people. This is 100,000 people. Um, let's see what happens in New Hampshire. This isn't over yet. So yes, of course, it was very odd too because they mistakenly thought they had very good turnout. And they were actually saying earlier in the broadcast, so we have record turnout this year. And then they had to correct that because they realized they were completely wrong and it was lower than usual turnout. So you're talking about one of the whitest states in the country, an agriculture state, small population, homogenized population, large evangelical uh, community. This is unusual. This is not like most of the country. But the way we have it set up, Iowa makes the first decision. And this really should surprise no one. But it is 
I think he made a good point there, even though he also pointed out before that clip the astronomical amount of money spent um, on this caucus. And next up, we have Jessica Tarloff, who brought us back to reality with Trump. Can I just add something really quickly about the conciliatory tone, which obviously was notable, but he's not going to New Hampshire tomorrow. He's going to back to New York to sit in a courtroom. It's the E. Jean Carroll defamation yeah. trial. And there are plenty of people who are paying attention to his demeanor in the courtroom and these press conferences that he's having. Mm -hmm. And whether that confirms what we've known for the past few years, that's my assumption. And so we'll look back at this speech and think, you know, he had a nice night, but this is the guy who he really is. We shall see. Yeah. We shall see. We shall see, Brett Bear. We shall see. Do you think this man's going to have a personality transplant in the last second here? It, 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 the twilight years, he's going to suddenly turn into a different person? I don't think so. If anything, he's going to get worse. He's quoted Hitler. What? I don't even know. I, it's just, you know, I know that Fox tries with Brett Bear and Neil Cavuto, and a few other, uh, their correspondents, McCallum somewhat, to be like, we are legitimate news too. How dare you? But then you say stuff like that, and I'm like, I can't take you seriously. Whew. Because Tarloff had a very good point there. He's not going to go back to this new person. He's just going to go right back to the old, horrible habits that he's had before, the minute he starts to get panicked, that's when his personality gets worse. Um, right now, he's, he's sitting pretty, so he feels comfortable, and he's sort of laughing at the fact that these people even tried to best him. But the minute, like, Haley might come close to him in New Hampshire. You never know. And that will be very interesting to see that reaction. So next up, we have the last comment of the Fox, and then I'm going to do some clips from PBS that I thought were very insightful. PBS did not spend nearly as much time on this. Uh, they had 25 minutes. But anyway, we're moving on to the last one, which is Kellyanne Conway. She's always good for a great clip because she says outrageous things. Um, I, I just want to mention that every time I post her, people comment on the alternative facts. So I kind of call her Kellyanne Alternative Facts Conway. Uh, but here you go. She uh, lays into DeSantis. And uh, I think he's been complaining a little too much. My point about whining or winning. Everybody saw him as a big winner out of Florida, rightfully so. But you then can't complain about Fox News's coverage and the polls are wrong. And uh, he had some comment yesterday also. You have to project strength. And I think strength is the most important thing coming out of this. Look, us she does have a point in that DeSantis is kind of trying to do the whole Trump thing with the I am persecuted, I am persecuted. But because he's not Trump, it just doesn't sell in the same way. Trump is the master of the I'm a victim, I'm a victim, therefore I'm your hero, which is bizarro. I don't know how that works. I'm still puzzled by it this many years in. I don't get how you project strength by constantly saying you're a victim and you're persecuted, but that's exactly what Trump does and it works for him. And I don't get it because I'm like, why would you want a leader who's constantly complaining about how he's a victim and his own administration is out to get him. I don't understand this, but okay, okay, MAGA people. So I should take this break to give a shout out to my sponsor before I go into PBS, which is going to be shorter because they had a shorter broadcast. But um, Decoding Fox News is sponsored by hundreds of readers of my 
newsletter and listeners to this podcast. I have no large sponsor. I have no donor. I have no advertisers. I'm only able to do this because of people who want to support this type of journalism. And thank you so much if you have. If you'd like to become a paid subscriber to Fox News, you go to my Substack at Decoding Fox News, my Patreon at Decoding Fox News, and all paid supporters get exclusive content. This past week, I did a doozy of, I broke down all the four town halls in detail, with a lot of detail, took hours and hours and hours to do. Uh, I got a lot of great feedback about it. Thank you so much for my paid subscribers. Um, Now, if you can't become a paid subscriber, share the podcast with a friend, share the newsletter. That helps tremendously as well. Now, moving on to PBS, we've got, um, and very briefly, I'm going to announce it at the the next regular weekly podcast, but I did get some more stuff from the Amazon wish list. Thank you so much. One of the packages was just a thing of coffee. It didn't have a, didn't have a receipt in it at all. Amazon screwed up. So I have no idea who sent that one. Thank you so much. But I will announce all of those um, on the next podcast because people listen to the weeklies more than the bonus ones, generally speaking. So uh, next up, we have PBS. They had their program at 11 p.m. So it was even less. (laughs) Like It was pretty much completely decided at 11. But anyway, you had Jeff Bennett, uh, co-anchor of the PBS NewsHour, and Amnia Navas, also co-anchor of the PBS NewsHour, they were the moderators. They included uh, Lisa Desjardins as their correspondent. And their panel was David Brooks of New York Times, Jonathan Capehart of the Washington Post, Amy Walter of the Cook Political Report with Amy Walter, and Kevin Madden, who is a Republican strategist who worked for Mitt Romney's 2012 campaign. So it starts off with just Bennett summing it up. Former President Donald Trump has won a decisive victory in what is the first official contest of the year to determine the Republican nominee for president. Looking at the results in so far, he is claiming 51 percent of the vote. And the story tonight is Donald Trump's absolute dominance over his top two rivals. So he's basically just spelling it out there. I just like to include that because everybody always claims, because they don't watch it, that PBS is horribly biased towards the left. Did that sound biased? I don't think so. That was just straight news. He just said exactly what happened. Um, I just love PBS. I think it's the gold standard. I say this constantly. Uh, Briefly on a tangent, the thing that's so great about PBS is because they're not driven by ratings, which is very true. They're not. I've seen them talk about it. They don't care about ratings. I mean, they, they brag that more people watch PBS than people realize and that their online content does incredibly well, which it does. Um, but they're not driven by ratings. They're not obsessed with ratings like a corporate um, media company would be. So they're able to do stories that maybe won't be as popular but are important. And I think that that it says a lot about them because being obsessed with ratings leads you to things that you see on Fox where they followed, you know, Trump's plane for an entire day as he went from Mar-a-Lago to a court hearing in New York and his motorcade. Stupid stuff like that, that it's completely dumb that we don't need to obsess over, but because they're like, no, we need to hype this up to get the ratings, is why they do stuff like that. Or like stories about Kim Kardashian or stories about Taylor, poor Taylor Swift. Like, leave that woman alone. Just leave, I mean, she's brilliantly talented. I don't care who she's dating. Okay, so next up, we have Lisa Desjardins pointing out the one controversy of the evening. And I do think that, that people are legit, have a right to be legitimately upset by this. 
The big topic of conversation here tonight is that call by the Associated Press that happened, even as I was reporting to you, before many caucus goers had begun to vote. I spoke to some DeSantis supporters in the caucus site that I was at uh, who said they saw that pro former President Trump had been declared the winner before they had voted, that they were not only frustrated by that, but they felt that their vote had been discounted, that their vote was worthless even before they counted. counted. I think she made a very good point. I don't know if it would have changed the outcome that much, but I understand people's frustration because a caucus... It's kind of goofy. Instead of just going in and voting, you go in and you're in the, these groups and you're listening to speeches and you're trying to convince people to come over to your side. So it's a, it's a different process and it's difficult to get enthusiasm for a candidate when they've already called the winner. So I do think that that was a legitimate gripe. Um, you know, maybe... DeSantis or Haley may have gotten a couple more percentage points had that not happened. I don't think it would have radically changed the outcome. I think what we saw on Monday was the most dedicated, the most cultish, I'll say it, uh, followers came out in that horrible weather and people who were a little less fired up didn't. And so I think the weather best probably gave Trump more of an advantage than calling it early uh by the, the ap calling it early but that's just my two cents now this next is a uh, exchange between omnia navas and jonathan capehart look 51 percent is a very strong number right but here's the other argument is that that's close to half the voters who did not say that they wanted him to be their nominee they wanted something other than donald trump is there a lane there jonathan um I don't know. I don't know. And you know why I say that? Because I come back to another number in, in the AP data that is startling. 62% of those surveyed say that President Biden um, was, is not the legitimate president. Right. How do, how, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to square that. I, re, I really am. Because, I mean, is this 62% just peculiar to Iowa? which is not representative of the country as a whole? Or is that a number that, as we go from primary to primary to primary, holds true? And then what does that say, not just about the Republican Party, um, but about that country and the country's appetite for democracy? Of course, they're not going to talk about that on Fox at all. I don't think that was mentioned at all. The fact that a huge section of Trump's base still believes his blatant lies about the 2020 election. Never brought up. Uh, never brought up the fact that he lies constantly. Lies constantly. I will be, I'm planning to do a podcast version of the fact check article that I did. I was not, that fact check article was sort of an accident. I started doing it. I got more and more worked up by it. I couldn't stop. And before I knew it, I'm like, I have spent 12 hours on this thing. And then I thought, well, I'll publish it, see what happens. And it blew up. So, um, and I am planning, because it was so popular and people love that so much, I will be planning on doing more of those throughout the campaign, because I do think he will win the nomination, and I think he will continue to lie. He tends to repeat the same things over and over again, which makes it somewhat easier, um, but the repeti repetition is why, one of the reasons why people believe the things that come out of his mouth. Um, so next up, we have... The Republican strategist who also said something 
that should have been said more on Fox News, but wasn't? I think it, Trump continues to benefit from the dueling strategies of his opponents uh, and the fact that they cannot find a path towards consolidation and they can't find a way to uh, take him on directly and instead they're taking each other on. Uh, it's just to his benefit. So that was Kevin Madden. He, had, he made a lot of good points. Um, I didn't really have time to fit them all in because this is really about Fox. I'm just showing PBS to sort of compare it. If you want to watch the PBS coverage, you can find it on YouTube. I thought it was very insightful. Amy Walter has the comment of the entire night for me, though. This, I was like, chef's kiss. That is absolutely amazing what you said. This is the last clip of the podcast, and it, it just sums it up beautifully. Favorite quotes I got from a Republican strategist about the, that DeSantis strategy was, for voters who want Batman, they want Batman. They do not want Robin. Right? <laughs> and uh, he was offering Robin. And Haley is offering that old-style Republicanism that just is no longer in vogue. We do have Batman, as it were, if Batman was a low-IQ fool who didn't read books or didn't have any sort of interest in learning about anything, who uh, has narcissism to a level and pathology that he's a sociopath, who dreams of ruling this country like a dictator, who's out for retribution for his perceived enemies, who is constantly paranoid and needy, who needs constant praise and adoration, who throws anyone who comes close to him under the bus when it's necessary for him, who's a con artist, who's a thief, who's a crook, who's a liar, who buried his first ex-wife, the mother of his children, in a golf course, who doesn't seem to care about anybody but himself, who praises dictators and calls them smart, who wants to be uh, basically... Uh, beholden to no one, including the American public, he quotes Hitler, and he's already joking that he's going to stay in office more than four years. Now, I'm just one person with an account. I watch a lot of Fox News, and I kind of critique it and make fun of them. I'm going to fight like hell to stop this man from becoming president again. I will fight like hell, and if that means I will do fact check after fact check after fact check, I'll do it. I don't know how much it'll help. But I will do the best I can because it's not that I don't like his politics or I'm not, I, I don't like Republicans. No, he's a sociopath and that's why he needs to be stopped. January 6th proved it. We all saw it. We cannot have that. We cannot have this. Uh, so if you're, if you're on board with decoding Fox News and you want to support this project, by all means do, I will fight like hell. And if it means I will spend 11 hours on a Saturday, which I did, working on a fact check to take this man down, I will do it and share it. And that's what, so we're in, we are in it to win it. The decoding Fox News community is in it to win it. So thank you for listening. My uh, cats, the podcast mascots, Odin and Thor, thank you for listening. And I will see you at the next podcast, which will hopefully just be a regular weekly podcast. And I'm going to fit in the fact check version at some point this week. I'm not sure when. Again, you can find material off on Decoding Fox News on Twitter, also known as X. I'm also on Threads, uh, Instagram, TikTok, 
YouTube, it's my name, just Juliet Jeske, J-E-S-K-E. Facebook, my fan page is my name, Juliet Jeske. Um, Juliet spelled like Romeo and. There's two different versions of to spell my first name. Drives me crazy. Anyway, um, and if you'd like to become a port supporter of Decoding Fox News, you go to my Substack for Decoding Fox News, Patreon for Decoding Fox News. Thank you so much if you are a paid subscriber or a supporter or just if you listen all the time. Thank you so much. I appreciate it so much. I will see you at the next podcast. <laughs>